Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 122, episode 4 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into American share consciousness and say, officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and fuck Fox News and fuck the coronavirus. Uh, it's Thursday, February 27th, 2020. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Biden, I'm amazed at the way you're losing all the time. <laughs> Biden, I'm amazed at the way they praise you. Uh, that's courtesy of Christy. I'm a Gucci man, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Yes, this hostess might be Miles of Gray. Miles Gray. Miles Gray. Um, and I'm really sorry for this purple rain, aka I really realized uh, t- Tyler Birch at Tyler Birch. We should have said, Bursch. dearly beloved, we have gathered here today to talk about this thing called sight, and we missed that. That was low hanging fruit, but I hope, hopefully, I made it up with that purple rain, aka thank you, Tyler Birch. Thank you, the state of Minnesota. Thank you, Snow. Thank you, Alley Bunnies, and thank you, Skyways. You know, I don't have any other way to open this show. I always have to open it with the, the same way. Oh, I'm at the live show. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, nah. can't think of my uh, <laughs> we'll Miles. teleprompters next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all teleprompted. Everybody mm-hmm. should know that about the live show. Uh, speaking of the live show, we are on the road with our time machine and super producer Anna Hosnia uh, in tow. Uh, we are in, we Chicago. were in Minneapolis last night or two nights ago. We are in Chicago this very evening. Oh yeah, uh, February twenty seventh. Please so bring Sleeping Village with Daniel Italian Van Kirk. Uh, please, yeah, th- bring Italian beefs. Throw them on stage. Uh, wet though. Make sure they're yeah, wet. Make sure they're dipped in the alju. Uh, <laughs> we're in Toronto tomorrow night, uh, February twenty eighth at the Great Hall with Mark Little. Uh, for tickets, go to dailyzeitgeist.com and go to the live appearances tab. Uh, this is the end of the tour. This is it, you guys. This is the last chance to catch uh, this time machine, this trip back through time. Yeah, till uh, we do the next one. Yeah, till we do the next one. But this is, I think we're going to retire this particular show. Well, yeah, see, the, we we like to make this show special. We like to make it so if you show up, you get to see something that nobody else sees. That's you, why we don't put the shows out publicly because right. we want to create something special for the people who come out. Not to say that the cities we go to are special. They are in their own way. They are the ones special. we don't go. You all are special too. And yeah, we, we don't like you quite too. as much until we've been there and I met can... you in person. Yeah, that's true. And then yeah. we meet him in person, and you bring your blunt offerings to the altar of gray. Then everything <laughs> is fine. But I'm really stoked to still see the rest of the country and meet the rest of y'all because yeah, every, it is somehow so everyone's dope. been good. Yeah, it's been an awesome person. meeting everyone. Uh, it's been yeah a lot a lot of fun. The only uh, thing that varies, I think, from show to show is the level of inebriation from the guests. From like yeah. the people in the audience. Usually pretty fucked up, though, yeah. I'd say, is generally the, the rule, uh, which is good. I think, I think it makes the show more enjoyable. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented, the wonderful, the pod mother. She is <laughs> Anna Hosnier, a.k.a. Bring her home, Peter. Bring her home to us. That was the one clip that I was like, you know what? I might watch that episode of The Bachelor. Not that I don't want to watch it. I just want to see how extra that mom is. That mom is. um, Sometimes you have a mom who also wants to be a reality star and knows how to hit her mark. I know. There's something so beautiful. And knows how to hit her mark. (laughs) (laughs) She saw that because there's kind of a... The way The Bachelor works, and sorry to really just come out hard. No, no, yeah, we brought it on no. ourselves. But, um, we wanted this. They, they do. They like to do a lot of red herring edits to throw you off the scent. That's yeah, like right, their whole right. thing. So you're like, oh no, who's she talking about? And then in the end, you just find out she's it was talking. Their dog. Yeah, they're like, they're like the dog ran away. Peter, yeah. you really have to leave the show to take care of this. But um, it'll just be like she's speaking generally. Right. She's just being like, bring someone home to love you. And that's oh, too much of an, like a reaction <laughs> right, to right, someone. Right. Whoever so, it is, yeah, like, it doesn't matter. Like she feels, she feels that this handsome white man 
who comes from like a right. good family. Yeah, is should not. This be is alone. his or, only yeah, chance yeah. at love. Exactly. <laughs> How's he ever There's gonna weird, like, find love? I think he'll be fine if this doesn't necessarily work out. Yeah, if this work doesn't out. work out, this dude He's is got, like, going to be okay. Over a million Instagram followers. His yeah. DMs are probably packed, and yeah. she's like, "Bring her home." <laughs> By the way, Zach called me and told and said that to me. This he said, bring her, <laughs> bring her home, Jack. <laughs> uh, Are you sure it wasn't my dog? <laughs> uh, I think he was speaking through a translator, yeah. Well, Anna, Hi. we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we are going to take our listener. By the way, I'm keeping my microphone up with uh, my chin and nose because we have it on a wobbly table. So, yep. uh, Hey, this is what we do to, what we do to bring you the for content. You. Uh, but we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about Harry. Miles's birthday twin. Just Harry now. Just Harry. He's not Prince Harry anymore. Hell no. So don't don't call him that. He doesn't like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about Trump's Wall Street boner. Uh, we're going to talk about the debate from a couple nights ago, uh, and the crowd in particular seemed to be really just revved up for uh, a couple of those candidates in particular. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Pete Buttigieg's tweet that he had to take down because, uh, you've kind of forgot history. Yeah. 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 He was talking about, uh, how Donald Trump was nostalgic for the fifties and Bernie Sanders was nostalgic for the radical sixties. Equally bad things in his view. Wait a second. I don't know. I'm just like not a fan of human rights. Right. Yeah. I think that's when he. (gasps) The civil rights movement? You mean? That's not. I mean, when he was saying it, it was clear what he was talking about. But when you put it in a tweet, they go, don't don't tweet that. If you're reading that very narrowly, you're like, "Mm -mm, what? Well, but what is he talking about? Because that was. I mean, we'll get into it, but he's referring to the sort of Cold War sort of shit. Like that's what he was like because the yeah, attacks but, that he's been I mean, getting on that time. Okay, whatever. But I mean, that's what he mean. I, I I don't think. I mean, it would be amazing. The way it came out in the debate was sort of in regards to how he's getting hit by like because he's not being just so overtly hostile about like countries that traditionally the the Western world looks at. All as right, we'll talk actors. about it. But I'm just saying that a lot of the things that Bernie is currently being criticized for from people like Pete Buttigieg are the same things that the people on the left who were doing revolutionary things that we're talking about uh, were being criticized for in the 60s. So you can't just be like, well, no, not that one, this one. Like well, no, when, but no, yeah. but if I'm saying in the context of, because it came out of the debate, an answer right. in the debate. Stop defending Buttigieg, Miles. I'm sorry, you it's, know. I, I've had enough of your, we all know you're in the tank for him. Um, we're gonna, Dude, I think, I'm just saying, let's give him a shot. Let's hear this guy out. Yeah. Jack, love is blind. That's true. I had to get my mom off that train this morning. The love off is blind. Buttigieg? Yeah. Really? We had a conversation. She's like, you're in Minnesota. Isn't that where Amy Klobuchar is from? I like her. Okay. And I go, what do you like about her? She goes, I think she's logical. And I go, what else? She's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not really supporting her, but I think I like her. <laughs> Shout out to And she's her. like, I like Pete. And I'm like, what, what's going on, mom? <laughs> and then, you know, my mom spoke some sense to me. Yo, <laughs> she got me. Got me I mean, I, I don't know. I've talked to some people lately who are like, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect to be more moderate, who have some moderate points of view. Well, I, I also realize, like, my mom, self-admittedly, she's like, you know, the people she interacts with, she has, like, a very much generational immigrant yeah. bubble that yeah. she's in. But she's sort of aware enough to realize that, because when I talk to her, she's like, oh, right, the stakes are different for other yeah. people, which is why I see why people are motivated for other candidates. I also think that, people who like from a previous generation it's not just that they're scared of like communism it's that they are very much a part of that media bubble that is like you need to be moderate because clinton was considered like a leftist by them anyways we're gonna get to all of this bloomberg's incompetent handling of a new york emergency all of that and plenty more uh but first super producer anna hosnier we like to ask our guests what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are ma'am who you are Madam, ma'am, um, ma'am, um, you know, I Google this a lot because as of in the last year, I've like kind of lost a lot of hair, and I don't know if I don't really understand like when you truly start losing hair because it's all over the place on the internet. Mm-hmm. WebMD mm. says I have cancer, but everywhere else, it's like, uh, oh boy, well, WebMD will always, yeah, play exactly, uh, that's the bit. But um, <laughs> that's the bit. <laughs> but I, I, I'm trying to figure out like, is it? 
am I just hitting that point now where like my hair is thinning out? Because for my whole life, I've had the thickest hair. I'm sure, yeah. So, um, but still now looks it's, thick from here. I'm gonna tell you that. Yeah, but you know, like you know, you know your hair. Yeah, yeah like we all know physically, our hair. like it don't feel the same. And I'm oh, starting no. to think, like, is it? Am I, is it starting to go? Is it time? Is it from? Can it be like from tr- like uh, dyeing your hair, doing treatments and stuff? Does that affect? I mean, it I've that. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing treatments on my hair my whole life, and and I. Based on the amount of treatments I've done, I kind of in my mind assumed it would have gone sooner. Mm. Right. So maybe my hair just really held on as long as it could. And now but there is I'm, like some common thinking that like at a certain point, like like your hair starts thinning just out. Since, too. My mom always said it like, "Don't hate on your hair because it'll all be gone." And I'd be like, "Oh my Wait, god!" Wait, really? <laughs> well, she'd be like, "Look at my hair. I used to have the thickest hair, and now look at is me." It and thin? I'm like. I mean, it's not like super thin, but it's right. definitely thinner than sure, mine. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it happens with age. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just, I've just been looking into it because I'm curious. Mm. Do you do that thing where you just, when you wash your hair, you look at the hair that comes on? And of course you, and you try, I do. And you just try and put it back on. Of course and like, I maybe do. It'll, I just like create a little like bird's nest <laughs> on top. Yeah, I have waterproof super glue in the shower every time I go in, just hoping for the best. My wife has very thick hair, and our wall is covered in just like. She, oh, uh, she leaves it? Uh yes, yeah, oh that's nice. That's a nice place to be in your life that you're comfortable enough to leave it. Cause uh, my boyfriend's like, get your goddamn hair out of here. Well, oh, don't think that I don't okay. do that. Okay. Oh, what I do is Her Majesty, cause she has this thing. I see her do it where she like when it's on the wall, she like does oh, yeah, her we finger do in a circle yeah, that yeah. technique, and yeah, then yeah, just yeah. just so it like sort of concentrates yeah. in one area, and then leaves these little swirlies. I take them off, I keep them, and then I present them to her <laughs> in her bed. I'm like. You forgot these. <laughs> oh, she's like, why did you do this? Fucking gross. I'm like, I don't like the hairy walls in the yeah. shower. I yeah, a, I, I do that too, and then I throw it away. I have oh. a sweater that I'm working on made of hair. <laughs> Just in case yeah. you ever lose her, you want to be able to smell her. <laughs> That's kind of beautiful, and I really like that. He's like, yeah, when I when we go on the road like this, I have my hair, my wife's hair bag I just <laughs> yeah. into. That's truly hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> a hair bag? Yeah. <laughs> that your significant other just smells from time to time to mm. remember your scent. Uh, uh, what is something you think is over it? Over it, and this is... This comes from the fact that we've been traveling a lot, but hotel towels. Overrated. I always want to say like, okay, you know, you get a nice hotel. This towel should be fluffy and like just ooh, soft. smooth. Yeah, soft. They're but so they're crispy. Over laundered. Yeah. 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 They're, they're like bleached so to, which yeah. I understand. I do want a clean towel, but at the same time, it's like, it's so Use rough. a little softener. Come on, yeah. baby. Treat us good. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm dry now. <laughs> That's me just wiping my skin. It's weird. I feel like maybe I had a, there has been an arc. I used to think hotel towels were the apex of towel quality. Right. Mm. That's what I did too. And, but that like, I don't know. That was like my perception maybe in the like 90s and early 2000s. And then as I, maybe as I travel more as an adult rather than like a wide eyed like minor who's dependent on their family's money, Mm -hmm. like you start being like, man, I paid all this money for this shit. Right. This versus a kid, I'm like, I can use nine towels. Right, and I feel like spas. Like, have you ever been to a spa? Spa got, good spas got yeah, the good towels, or like true. even like some gyms have nice towels. Like, but oh, I wonder, is it like the presidential suite that they save all the nicest towels for, or something? Yeah, we that's should a do good an experiment. Question. We should get a presidential suite. Yeah, what <laughs> we should do experiment? next one, we book a exper- uh, presidential suite just to see what the towels are like. The second yeah. we get there, like, actually, bro, I don't need this room. Yeah. Downgrade me to the cheapest room you have immediately. <laughs> I need my money back, or else I'm gonna have a panic attack in the lobby. My wife was in Las Vegas uh, last weekend. She was volunteering, knocking doors. Uh, that's not true. She was there for a fun thing. But uh, <laughs> she you just switched it, honestly. She, yeah, she met somebody who had gone for the Tyson Fury fight uh-huh. and had like ordered a room that was like wild expensive at the casino where the fight was. Oh boy. And it was like, it cost what a presidential suite would cost. Uh, it wasn't even in the hotel. It was in a different hotel that you had to like walk through, and it was basically like a towel closet. So that's just something to keep in mind. If if you're ever going to was Vegas, it Mandalay Bay? I forget where it was. It was yeah, because like that sounds like when people go to Mandalay Bay and they're like, you're actually at the hotel, which is right. a, a walk on the other side of the property. Yeah, exactly. Um, so watch out for that, guys. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Underrated. Um, like a nice warm biscuit with gravy on it. Oh, hell yeah. I don't know 
why, but in my older age... As my hair thins. As my hair hair thins, and I become quite peculiar about how towels feel on my skin. It really is. The more I've aged, and I'm not like old, guys. I'm only 29, but I'm I'm actually starting to like feel the effect. You know, Miles, how you're always with your walker at the mere 35 you're at. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. Miles is young and sprout. But um, spray. Sprite. Sprout. 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 Sprouting. Sprouts. I'm sprouting. You are sprouting. You are sprouting. I'm sprouting new hairs on my head. These chia <laughs> seeds are starting to sprout on my head. You really <laughs> sprout. Yeah. I feel like you start dying of old age at like age 28, late 20s. That's when it starts happening. Right, right. So I, I just, I like a certain like comfort food. Like I've never been a huge meat eater my whole life. It's more in my later life because my mom's a pescatarian. So I didn't, I, the only thing I really ate was fish for most part, mm. except for like kebab every once in a while because my dad would you know, right. force us to when he was grilling. But um, yeah, I, there's something about like a nice biscuit with a, a nice warm, Ugh, it's just so me. soft. and it's I mean, so... I know your brand, Anna. Wherever we go and there's a biscuit, Anna, you'll be ooh. like, I already, ate a, I already ate dinner, but I saw there's a biscuit on the menu. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get that too. Ma'am, it's almost midnight. Yeah. <laughs> the biscuits are really old. I love it. You bring me biscuit. the biscuit. And if you hit it right, you get it right when they bring it out warm and you're like, Ooh. it's like heaven. It's, you could literally, I could use that as a towel. I love it. <laughs> we it's should so start, soft. We should start combining our interests for our next tour where it's like, we only go to states where weed is legal and they're in cities where people say the best biscuits are. Yeah. Right. Oh. Please bring your biscuit offerings Please. to the next show. Please. That makes That's- a good biscuit. You know what I mean? Although of the places but, uh, I've been where weed isn't legal, the people of the biscuits uh, tend to be better. The, t- the biscuits <laughs> tend to be great. Uh, no, people of Minneapolis don't seem very worried about <laughs> the smoking on the street. Nah, you know, look, it's is that? I, I mean, I feel love. like that's not the case in New York. Maybe New York is fine. People I mean, smoke on the streets. It's just in like New York? it's really, I think, just the, how the people, the general attitude of the population is yeah. towards weed. Like you know, yeah. Anyways, when I called the cops on you guys, they didn't <laughs> okay. come. Yeah, so. they didn't yeah. come. A lot of yeah. sense. And I'm like, Jack, you put my life in danger. <laughs> uh, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Um, this is something I, I realized recently, and I, I don't know why I have to constantly like explain myself before I tell you, but something that like scared you as a child. Um, or like freaked you out because you didn't have like a good enough understanding or context of it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't do the same as an adult, even when mm. if you've grown and you've learned and you've read and you've got all this context for things. Because I've been having like a tough month. So, and my mom is so, she's like a devout Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Seems so at goddamn peace mm-hmm. all the time. Nothing, nothing can. Uh, Unwavering. Like, no, yeah. she's always like, hey, you know what? I just, just know that I, there's a plan for me and everything's going to be okay and I'm going to make it and whatever happens, happens. Which, when you're like young, that's infuriating and you're like, you don't get it, mom. Right. But, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, God, how, how do I find this peace she has? So yeah. she was like, I don't know, like, look at the Quran again. I don't know, like, read something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try and find something that you enjoy. Like, And again, she's never really pushed Islam on me because... It's kind of her own thing. Like my dad's very secular, so she's never felt the need to be like, "You have to do this," because mm-hmm. it's almost as if she doesn't want me in her to hang out with her girl group. <laughs> anyway, she does. She has like a Ladies. straight, like very like intense like group of like Muslim friends, and they do Quran study every Friday, and right. they like it feels like a party sometimes. Where I like I've been at home and walked in, my mom's like, "Can we help you?" And you're like, "Oh." oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> you kids be good now. Yeah, like, um, am I lame? Yeah, she's like, okay, because we're doing something in here. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I, and as a child, I flipped through the Quran just casually trying to like yeah. learn, read, and it freaked me out. There was just so, I think just like the, the practice of like the certain thing, like the ideas that they put forth that you would like have to like apply and like, Think about it was too much for my like my little like six year old seven year old. Any religious to, test text yeah, is like that for a was, child. Or maybe even I was like ten. I can't remember exactly, but it really freaked me. I had like nightmares. Like I was scared mm. the gin was gonna come get me, or like it was like all this stuff that I didn't understand to create enough context to understand. Like no, it's just like a, it's it's not like a creature that's coming to get you. It's it's just like a. Yeah, we internalize whatever. these sort of right, and and then I I looked at it again because I was like I'm gonna try and find some peace, and um. It kind of it didn't sit right with me. Was I don't it, know. It wasn't there was the same? some certain. It didn't hit as much where I was like a creature's coming to get me. You know, it right. was more just like the the things I was reading. I I 
I, it didn't sit right with me. And and it's not that I'm like saying like, like, you know, Islam Quran is not for me. The Quran is not for me. But like, I, I didn't know how to take, it felt so real and so like rooted. And like, it was just like some, I almost felt like I was being like, like I was, um, being invasive into a, a religion that I wasn't allowed in because I didn't have I, my mind wasn't open enough. Like it really, it it hit mm. me in a way I wasn't expecting. Where I was like, I might. One, I was like, I'm not pure or good enough for this. Like I don't feel like I should be allowed to even like apply any of this to my life. It was mm. a weird thing. Like it was maybe a little bit more of a mature reaction, but it still hit me in a way that unnerved me. Sure, like right. I was like, oh, like I I'm just so set in my ways now that it's going to be very hard for me to start internalizing any of this because I, everything i'd be like what <laughs> what you're doing that as you read <laughs> yeah, yeah like <laughs> just I, out loud my reactions to it were um a little unnerved and I, I think i just i i wasn't raised in it so i i don't know how to take it in and i think it also like yeah. kind of freaked me out sure well i think it's also like you know on one level we have to be open to things and i understand right. too like when especially reading any kind of religious text i think if i picked up a bible now after going to like Lutheran and Catholic schools from kindergarten to 12th grade, there would be something I would feel slightly disingenuous because at the right. time I was never really engaging in, it in any, like I had no beliefs that were rooted in it. Um, but I think there's something too, like it sounds like you're at a point too, where you kind of, you, you're looking for a new way to sort of take in your life experiences. And I think right. that's always like the most stressful times we have, at least for me personally, are typically when I'm on the precipice of some kind of sort of shift in my thinking or perception. Yeah. And that's typically when we're at the most anxious because everything we were using to sort of make sense of the world isn't quite giving us the same level of security or like base of yeah. anymore. And so it sounds like you're on the point of a breakthrough. Mm. <laughs> You know, and for for fourteen ninety nine, you should buy my tapes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I think it's I think that's important. But yeah, also recognizing too, like, you know, you're you're we're all looking for a new ways to process our experience too, and sometimes we have to let go of new things, develop new ones. Yeah, but it's a process. You know, I think what what yeah. you were saying about like feeling like you were walking in on a party that resonates with me, like you know, having been in recovery for a few years now, I think a lot of what people replace like substances and like things they used to use to like get out of their own head right. with is like spiritual stuff, like spirituality. Uh, yeah. I know f for myself, I used to use like alcohol and, you know, other things that I don't use anymore f to achieve some of the things that like, people use like spiritual things for now i think there's like something connected there right and then i think it's just hard to think your way out of anything that's like mental because like we don't have access to 90 percent of our mental processes and like we're inside of them so it's just hard to i always say like i feel like we're uniquely bad at judging our own selves and our own minds because it's just we don't have the perspective like that's what that's what therapy is so like trying yeah. to solve a problem like you're having or like you know just think your way out of something that goes back to like how you were raised and like your childhood yeah. is just so so difficult well and know? we're also taught to like think about a problem to right. solve it yeah. right it's like i have a problem so now i will think about it yeah and now i have completely my thought process has been completely taken over by obsessing about a problem. Right. Because it's yeah. like a habit of being like, well, that's how you solve it. You think right. about it. Yeah. But it's actually not the way to solve anything. Right. Like there are problems that I think that maybe have some kind of process to it that you can solve by being like, oh, this bridge has collapsed. How do we solve that? You can solve that. But if it's sort of like, holy shit, man, like, uh, you know, especially for me as like a creative or something, right? You have fucking uh, imposter syndrome or some shit mm -hmm. and you, you go, man, fuck, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, I, let me think about this shit. It's at that point you've only you've only surrendered all of your energy to magnifying your problem. You're actually right. not solving it. You're you're expanding it right. exponentially and it's making it even harder to get out of because the solution has become think about the problem. Right. Rather than okay, this problem exists, but there is a way to pivot to what this how I move past that, how I solve that or yeah. acknowledge that the problem exists, but then bringing in other energy into your thought process of like but I'm doing these things right. Right. So that might that might be in one way, but I think 
purely obsessing about our problems is a bad habit we have, which is sort of born out of how we're not really told about our own like mental, emotional hygiene. Right. It's just sort of like, yeah, you got a problem, fucking obsess about it. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, that and I feel like um, sometimes you forget that like an outside perspective is necessary for someone to like stop you from spiraling in a way. Oh, for sure. Be oh, like, well, sure. I don't see it that way, and you're like. That's why I got to listen to these Tara Brock meditations, mm-hmm. man. You know what I mean? You got to look inside yourself, recognize that shit, and also realize that's not me. That's a thing happening in my experience. But it's very easy to then replace a problem by somehow that being like your identity or your existence is that problem. And it's yeah. not. I actually uh, prefer the Tara Reed meditations. Are, <laughs> um, that's also, that's also yeah. She has some interesting things to say. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and let's talk about Megxit. Mm-hmm. So, wh- where are we in the process? We're we're kind of they're closing out their royal duties. Is like that, this is their last run of official like working like engagements. The fi- as they saw it, as they put it, the final round of public engagements as a senior working royal. Um, and he was recently at this like launch of a sort of environmentally conscious sustainable travel initiative um and when he was about to come on stage the host of the event basically said he said uh, before i bring him out quote he's made it clear that we are all just to call him harry so ladies and gentlemen please give a big warm scottish welcome to harry i just like that they still treat him with the reverence of a royal and it's like he's made it clear Right. That we are all just to call yes. Prince Harry commands us to just <laughs> right. call him Harry. Therefore, right. we shall. But wow. I get what. But I get sort of what you know. They're 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 being sensitive to you know him sort of distancing himself from you know his title. Um, and you know, I again, I I really feel like we need a reverse King Ralph type script about you know this guy who's just like, dude, I'm just Harry. Bro. Oh, reverse King Ralph. You know. Yeah. It's going to be a great movie. Um, but he still has, they still have their uh, HRH titles. Um, so they H- just won't use it. H-R- Her Royal Highness oh, or His oh, Royal God, Highness. Um, but they just won't really be using them publicly. Since he's growing up, man. Yeah. So he's all grown up. Um, and they're they're on their way to Canada, correct? They live in Canada already, yeah. Oh, they do? Oh, yeah. wow. Look at them. Um, I think that's a sign I just needed to go with my Her Highness and live in British Columbia as well. Yeah. Just I live mean, my life. Shit. It, or, you know, maybe his security people will be like, we know you're obsessed with him, sir. Please keep your distance. <laughs> Please you are not going distance. to smoke weed with him and hang and play do FIFA. They, do they still continue to have their security, even if they're stepping down from duties? I don't know what the security is like for them. I can't imagine that they're just sort of like walking around yeah. willy-nilly. Especially after hearing this episode. Yeah. They're probably not yeah, there's like There's guys with the same birthday who want to hang out. We need you back. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Trump's Wall Street boner. Oh, man. Um, loves to take credit for some good economy. Yeah. He definitely needs to call a doctor for an erection lasting eight or more hours <laughs> for the Wall Street markets. Because, you know, everything with the economy, whether it's the uh, uh, economy that Obama rehabilitated or the stock markets going up and down, gains, whatever, he has to take credit for. It. Like, you know, he all that's like his lifeblood. It's the only thing he like really feels strongly about. Um, but that also means when shit goes down or the, the markets start to get depressed or go, the numbers start going down, he's got to find fucking somebody to blame, some common enemy, some reason why it's bullshit and there's nothing to worry about actually because he's King Wall Street. Keep your money safe. Um, and right now, because of coronavirus, it's been impacting the markets, like from the quarantines to travel restrictions, just the slow decreased trade. It just means now that Trump has to lie and begin to point the finger. So uh, uh, recently he tweeted, low ratings, fake news, MSDNC, Ah, (laughs) Comcast, and CNN are doing everything possible to make the coronavirus, he spells it like car-ona, but okay, anyway, uh, coronavirus look as bad as possible, including panicking markets, if possible. Likewise, their incompetent do-nothing Democrat comrades are all talk, no action, USA in great shape, somehow randomly tags the CDC in it, um, oh. then says, I will be having a news conference at the White House <laughs> on this subject today at 6 p.m. CDC representatives and others will be there. 
Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> Wait, so so he's like everything's fine. I will be having a news conference to address the crisis. Yeah, to sh- to tell you how fine it is. Yes. Now, mind you, privately, Trump has been going off about he's like the CDC, Health and Human Services. They're fucking me by like telling people about this global possible pandemic threat. They're fucking me over. Like he's pissed that they're even that they're. Telling people. Yeah. Okay. So listen, right? The head of immunization at the CDC, Nancy Mazanier, if I maybe completely butchered that name. No, you nailed it. She was saying that like disruption to our everyday lives due to this uh, illness um, may be severe as it spreads. And as she says, quote, ultimately, we expect we will see community spread in this country. It's not so much a question of if this will happen anymore, but rather more exactly when this will happen and how many people in this country will have severe illness. Um, the, also, just some breaking news is that a uh, Korean Air flight attendant uh, just tested positive for coronavirus in Seoul, uh, but she had been working at LAX, so... Uh, that's something that is happening. <laughs> Where we were just yesterday, uh, two days ago. So, um, yeah, this is I mean, like I said, the CDC um, and most like you know there are articles saying like, look, don't panic, but be prepared. Yeah, right. Like they're saying, if you have medications that you need, make sure you have maybe a month's supply because if things were to be seriously disrupted yeah, you don't want to be caught out with not having your vital medications wash your fucking hands the, at a bare minimum the medication thing is so frustrating to me cuz yeah. with our healthcare you can't right. get your medication you can't be like i need extras they're like oh sorry you know the rule your healthcare only allows you to re up only with yeah but like what about coronavirus days. i don't know does yeah. your insurance policy cover that Right. Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, and again, a lot of this will don't be have that ability. Th- these are possible reverberations we could see that would put people in very bad situations. And you'd, I mean, God only, God help us uh, if we get to a situation like that where people are like, "Hold on, I need access to my medications, but because of the virus and like prohibitive costs, I want." Oof. So also, there's also just basically wash your hands. You're cutting down your risk by thirty to fifty percent just by like being very on top of keeping your hands clean and washing down your surfaces mm-hmm. all that shit um so you know watch out y'all but again trump is really does not want people to think that this is a problem when most of the experts are saying we need to be very aware of this right and also other people are saying we might be wholly unprepared to handle something like right this. i mean we've seen how an authoritarian government treats it with in China, you know, they were trying to keep it under wraps. They made some uh, journalists disappear who were reporting too honestly about it and making it seem too bad. And, I mean, it, it's pretty easy to see how Trump is going to respond to something just by looking at the way authoritarian governments respond to the same thing. So he's going to tell everybody to shut the fuck up if he thinks it makes things uh, in his government look bad or out of control or like there might be a problem. Yeah, or just basically gaslight us and be like everything's fine. So case in point, right? Larry Kudlow uh, goes out there and basically he goes on CNBC um, and he's, you know, one of the president's advisors, you know, like how to just on this economy. He goes on CDC and just fucking lies on C- on CNBC to like get people to, I guess, chill the fuck out. Well, look, our public health people who are spectacular, the best in the world, are preparing for any eventualities. And that's exactly what they should do. They were ahead of the curve on the travel bans. Now they're ahead of the curve insofar as laying out potential emergency plans. That doesn't mean it's going to go into effect, but they're doing exactly what we're doing. We're going to get a supplemental. We've asked for a supplemental uh, up on the hill of a couple of billion dollars or so. That's exactly what they were doing. Uh, I, I just want to say, though, as far as the U.S. is concerned, when you look at this, I mean, you had a little higher headcount on the infections because of the cruise ship people coming off. We have contained this. We have contained this. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. We've done a good job in the United States. Hats off to our public health people. So don't worry, wow. nothing to see here. We have it con- fully contained. Right. And he's like, look, yeah, people died, but like, it's not going to be an economic tragedy, guys. Let's not, let's, not, let's not get all freaked out about the markets. But it's definitely affecting people like 
uh, friends of mine uh, yeah. who own a business. Uh, shout out Rewaxation uh, Any, in the Austin and San Francisco area. Anything that um, has a supply chain that goes yeah. outside the United States and especially in China or in the in, in Asia. Yeah, uh, and a lot of businesses, if you're getting like materials for your business from China because they come in at a cheaper cost, now your margins are upside down if you're having to find other distributors. So everything, it's so dependent um, on like the trade, the trade aspects of it. It's, you know, I just... Please, please take care of yourselves. Please be aware. Please cough into your elbow. Right. Okay. And please uh, crook your elbow. Do people yeah. know that? What'd you say? Do people know that crook your elbow is the way to, is the place to cough? Is that what you say? The crook of your elbow? Oh, like right the there. the inside of your elbow, yeah. Don't they just say you cough like Dracula? Like you were <laughs> in a cape? Like, <laughs> anyway, I think that was from the office. Yeah. Uh, cool. Wow. Human life is... We hang no by one, a thread. No one cares about us. Uh, it's wild to me because y- you get rid of the humans. W- what do you think? You think the markets are going to do? Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, well, if you're dead because we, no one cared enough to do something about this pandemic, this coming pandemic, what are, who cares about the markets? Well, no, but that's, but that's how these people operate. They're so short-sighted. It's, there's no like, I don't know. like if, if you're not here, what does the market matter? Oh, well, come Mar- on. It's for the like chipmunks that are left, no, think- so they can you know run, invest some people, in stocks. But you know that's like some people that's they just live by based on what the numbers they see on a stock ticker, and that's life Unreal. for them. But yeah. I guess and those are we all live in our bubbles, and you know some people are so wealthy start, they just look at numbers. I got to start training my dog to start investing so he can have a good life when I'm gone. Yeah, <laughs> tell him how to play He's the markets. Running the markets. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the debate from a couple nights ago. Um, The mainstream media takeaway seems to be that it was a mess. Uh, It was solid Biden performance. Uh, Everyone went at Bernie Sanders, uh, specifically for his Cuba take and his uh, Anderson Cooper interview, uh, where he said Castro's regime wasn't all bad. And, you know, possibly because... You know, the debate format is naturally limited and possibly because this particular debate was a fucking mess. He was screaming over yeah. each other. He, he didn't really have a fully convincing rebuttal or, you know, I mean, I think he was trying to make a nuanced point in a long form interview and he it was poorly timed because he gave the other candidates something to take out of context and use this fodder. Um, so, you know, it wasn't probably a great debate for him. Uh, but people are also saying nobody really emerged as a Bernie slayer. Um, but Bloomberg seemed to be uh, alive this time around, yeah. uh, like he was a, an actual political candidate. Um, but, but the still. big difference was, uh, whereas in the past debate, the majority of the crowd support seemed to be with the people who had probably. the most support as candidates so sanders uh had more support than say bloomberg or you know elizabeth uh, warren Pete or elizabeth warren although elizabeth warren had some good support in the previous debates because i think it was also you know you saw people who were performing well uh had support the crowd was just you know doing what you would expect a crowd to do when somebody had a sick burn they would be like ooh and when Bloomberg said something like well you know if they were offended by something I said like putting the onus on the people who he sexually harassed like people Mm -hmm. were like oh Oh, god God. but this time that wasn't there it seemed to be a little bit like I I was picturing when I was trying to picture the crowd I kept envisioning uh, the those fuck Jerry posts and those guys from that comedy sketch about Bloomberg enthusiasts who did like the fake uh, moves like Bloomberg uh, video (laughs) where it was like, you know, trying to imagine what somebody who was actually passionate about Bloomberg would (laughs) would be like, what they would look like because it was, it was this weird sort of synthetic feeling crowd reaction to everything uh, Bloomberg said in particular, it seemed to tilt kind of heavily towards the moderates. And that that just doesn't like you just generally, and maybe this is because South Carolina is more conservative, as we've talked about. It's an older demographic that's voting. Uh, some people also pointed out that it was $3,000 
for a seat, like between one thousand and three thousand dollars. I think they started around seventeen fifty. Right, started at seventeen fifty, went up to three thousand, and that that seemed impossible to me if it was like just an open market because who would pay to watch that? But apparently, the ticket price was part of a quote donation to one of the sponsors, uh, which were like these different political groups. So it was, you know, rich people paying to then be in the good graces of various democratic groups. I still feel like that might be too innocent to just be like, well, it was rich people. So they were uh, pro Bloomberg because I mean, I had the thought in past debates as somebody who just pays attention to who pays attention to the political process that man, Bloomberg and the centrists and by extension, the DNC can't like, this crowd reaction where they're just kind of responding to sick burns and like they're potentially the candidates that the DNC would prefer like negatively. So like, why would they let that keep happening in a a situation where in the past, like the DNC gave Hillary Clinton the fucking questions in 2016? Like why, why would they just keep letting the crowd be, uh, you know, something that acted against what their interests were. It seems like, I don't know, at the very least, like it, it makes sense to me that the Bloomberg campaign would have stacked the deck. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's even illegal, like to no, I mean, look, get he, a bunch of people who support your candidate or who you're paying to support your candidate in the audience. It would be the same thing if I were organizing for a campaign and there was a town hall or something. I'd be like, yo, I'm getting as many fucking asses in those seats uh, yeah. to get that sort of reaction. I mean, honestly, though, too, like there are just also, Jack, a lot of moderates, too. So without even the most like I think everything can everything anything is possible right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Or like that room was a lot of people who were just like I absolutely do not like a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren type presidency. I love a Pete Biden or Bloomberg type thing. Um, but yeah, my other side of me would think too if I'm Michael Bloomberg and I just got sheathered uh in the last debate right i would be like yo what the fuck was that bro like where, where's yeah. my backup in you the think crowd? he didn't just like get off the stage and like shout at the people who work for him Although, like that i don't know so bad for based me. on how he performed even in this last debate i don't know how much he gives a fuck because right. even when man elizabeth warren cornered him a bunch again and he did the same shit he was like one of the first moments was she was sort of pointing out you know, you've got all these NDAs going, and he comes back and doubles down on the, you know, if they they just must not have liked the j- joke I made. Yeah. It's never like, I I used language that I realized was actually reprehensible and excusable, but he probably can't say that because of maybe some legal liability because then he would acknowledge what he said was, a f- whatever it is, he does, he does not have a, a good explanation or cannot show growth yeah. past a lot of these negatives, especially when I think Gail King was like, what did you learn from stop and frisk? You've apologized. Yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. He, he wasn't able to articulate a lesson. He just right. goes, I've apologized. I, I was one of the, the best mayors of the city. Yeah. And I've, I spoke to black leaders about what I can do. Yeah. I, I totally acknowledge that there might just be moderates out there. But like, for instance, like I'll, I'll accept it. You know, Bernie had a line that would have gotten cheers in the past where he was like, Mayor Bloomberg has solid and strong and enthusiastic base of support. They're just all billionaires. And he got booed for that, which, right. okay, that's fine. Maybe it's a bunch of moderates. Maybe like it's all these wealthy sure, sure. people. But then like Bloomberg would give really bad answers. Like at one point, it seemed like he almost admitted that he bought 21 new members of Congress yeah, in 2018. That, yeah. And people like, shout like cheered they're like yeah which like it just seemed too much like it, it, it didn't even make just sense. unnatural it just didn't make sense it wasn't it didn't make sense as a as a human reaction yeah i mean i'm not saying that that's impossible especially when you look at his track record of yeah. being like hi can i pay you to just say good things about me because i'm have so right. much money that seems to be his whole campaign which makes him actually this so scary right because he, right. he knows how to use money to manipulate like right. he really knows how to do it and it's but even then it, he may have been caught a little bit when people are cheering for just like maybe they were just on like autopilot they're like if you hear bloomberg when bloomberg say something cheer someone right. say something about bloomberg bad boo yeah uh-huh. yeah i don't necessarily think it was like a dnc conspiracy but i do think that something was up 
or maybe it's somewhere in between, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, the chaos of the debate, like really was hard for people to really differentiate themselves. I think Elizabeth Warren again, yeah. got, got Bloomberg pretty good again. Yeah. But the crosstalk over each other was almost people were like, y'all don't have a hold of this debate and right. it's spiraling out. And I think that also speaks to the fact that this is a, that was a huge debate going into these, this next uh, round of primaries and people really needed to make an impact. And I think that coupled with every the sort of the lack of organization uh, made it a little bit worse, but yeah, I, I think I, I, when I watch these debates and I've been watching them less and less, or I start to watch them and slowly like lose my mind, but like, I feel like I'm not, learning anything about the candidates you know mm-hmm, like right. i don't feel like i'm like okay so everyone says elizabeth warren doesn't support medicare for all but it sounds like she does based on other things so like why she's not getting the chance to explain what her like right. plan is it's like okay i know bernie likes that okay so i want to understand like what's the difference between their plans like what what's their rollout like i don't i don't i have to just go like google it because these debates aren't giving me anything other than like the pure spectacle of the drama of it all and yeah. i'm like i don't I don't care about this anymore. The, yeah. Like, I don't really like. Uh, the moderators just set up the questions to be yeah, like that, especially yeah, that one very, CNN one. It's very frustrating as a person who's just trying to understand who I. I mean, I, I'm an Elizabeth slash Bernie person. Like, that's how I've always been. I don't. I'm not aggressively on either side, but I like to understand what their policy policies are and how they're different and what's going on. But I, I feel like I really, I struggle to get anything from these debates well, other yeah. than like, okay, uh, Pete's doing that thing that he does where he tries to be like, look how progressive I am. But in like a weird, empty way. He has that a way of saying a lot of words without exactly a lot of exactly. content. It's like, whoa. And, and it's just, like that Fred Armisen bit. Right. Where it's like the guy actually says nothing the whole time. He's like, right. yes. you know what it's like? Because our democracy, right? Right. When you think about it, when you boil it down yeah. to its essence and you look at it, you have to ask yourself, why? And then before that, you say, how? <laughs> and it's like, uh, you say what nothing. the fuck? But yeah, I think, again, these, these things are set up because the media is just so hungry for ratings that it's like, well, look, people, loved, like, people love how messy it gets. Let's just do that. And, right. and that's there. That's where they. Benefit. I fear it makes me dumber because then I sit there and the whole time the only thing I'm thinking is who yells at their staffers the most after this. Sure, sure, sure. That's all I can think. I'm like, I wonder. If hey, that's why you got to go to PeteForAmerica.com. Oh. Shameless plug. Just go to you know. That's yeah. why I think it's important to read is like their websites too. Um, and you got to just you just got to read it for yourself yeah, and then go from there. She seems like she. That's like yeah. all I do. Then I'm like, oh my. Oh my gosh! Like I'm not. This, yeah. I, I've just wasted my hour being like. I wonder if Amy really did throw that binder. If anything, you know, I'm like, like I, I want Amy know. Klobuchar in my corner during a bar fight. Yeah, like right. I just feel like I'm not. I feel almost more useless afterward and, and lost. Well, and I think that's a, that's how most people are looking at these debates, especially when there's like no substantive or any questions around climate change and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck was this about, y'all? Um, I love the race though. Well, let me just say this. Okay. It's not a sizzling, glamorous issue, but the shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. Uh huh. That was the Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> oh, and then that tweet, right? So that I could say during that same the debate, thing about my butt. Yeah, that's the true. Shape of my booty. <laughs> the shape of my booty <laughs> is the issue that affects all, all other, issues. other issues. And by other issues, I mean like the men who are looking at it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so that, but that's where I get to at these debates. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're not telling me anything, so I'm out here like acting a fool. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like it's of a part with the overall mainstream media coverage that is like assume everyone is an idiot. Yeah. yeah, and also never articulate what the stakes are for people. Right. Never. Never. It's never. all just about uh, crafting a media narrative. 100%. And what's going to craft a media narrative and what the media narrative is and who's winning in the media narrative and, whoa, this person came out, maybe they're going to start yeah. winning in the media narrative. Could you start winning in the media narrative? Explain that yeah. to us. Not it's how many like, people's lives are at stake with any marginalized group not with anything to do with people's ability to like support their families or live a respectable life it's just all fucking empty and anyway yeah. just this pete this pete tweet that went down during the th- during the debate he said i am not looking forward to a scenario where it comes down to donald trump 
with his nostalgia for the social order of the 1950s, and Bernie Sanders with the nostalgia for the revolutionary politics of the 1960s. Then that, so you know how on the debate stage, somehow everybody's tweeting in real time. You're like, motherfucker, are you on your phone? Right. (laughs) But his staff then immediately tweets out, they sort of, they switched the language, said, we can't afford a scenario where it comes down to Donald Trump with his nostalgia for the social order of the 50s and Bernie Sanders with his nostalgia for the revolutionary politics of the 1960s. Now, in the thing he was speaking, yes, like referencing these attacks on Sanders' inability to take like the hook, line, and sinker, like U.S. government narrative of how bad other countries are. Because right. he's being a little bit sober at He's like, uh, how, how come we don't talk about the regime change that we're responsible for in right. this country? Like, And people were like, whoa, okay. Yeah, that's pretty Not radical. many people like, yeah. will call out Guatemala, Iran, Chile like on a debate stage and say, like, yeah, we also need to look inward too here, y'all. Yes. Um, and anyway, but most people, like when they saw that tweet, they were like, hold up, dude. This guy... This, the radical, rev, the revolutionary politics of the 60s, like the civil rights movement or like the Stonewall riots, that happened in 1969. I think a lot of people immediately took that as, holy shit, like this guy is so disconnected. I, th- I think he is disconnected, don't get me wrong. But like it immediately, the takes that came underneath that tweet, the campaign was like, oh, fuck, fuck. That, yeah, but it underlines I, how out of touch like you don't are. think the cops who were beating people at Stonewall or during the civil rights movement were calling them commies? Like they were definitely right. calling them commies sure, and being sure, like, sure. "Why don't you go that back to Cuba with fucking Castro, asshole?" Like it's, I think it's all part of the same. Like it's all part of a piece. He's attacking Bernie Sanders's politics the same way that the people who were fighting for change in the '60s were attacked. It's just that now we don't really have that like we don't because we look back at the civil rights movement and you know the gay rights movement as a overall good thing now like that's not how it was viewed back then back then like martin luther king jr was viewed as a dangerous radical by the fbi and like as a communist like they called him a communist the problem when any kind of movement like this happens especially in this country people do not like having a moment where they have to become self-aware or reflect on what might actually be happening in their own country. So if someone is telling you, you know, a U.S. foreign policy bad, it's like, what do you mean? No, I'm not. And I don't want to engage in that. So like, fuck you. Like, don't, don't try and like bring other people up either. The irony too is like, you know, for all the, for all the shit, a lot of these people were saying about Cuba, it's like, you know, how many of them are talking about uh, Guantanamo and the prison torture Right. Uh, facility that we have on that right. island nation. But hey, you know. Actually, I went down into a bit of a Cuba hole last night. Mm. I was curious. Yeah. I truly was like, I, I don't I don't know much about Cuba. I've never been. I, I always have like the most like propagandist idea of it because I live in America and I watch movies and television. So mm-hmm. I have no sense of anything other than Instagram photos of everyone being like, old cars. Yeah. Right. Me being like, wow, double tap. You know, like Best I have no furious. sense of it. Uh, yeah, sure. Eight or seven I that forget. opens with Dom in. Oh yeah, he eight. races that old Cuba, Chevy, I believe, and he's yeah. just like a mythical hero to the people yeah. of Cuba. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't. Um, I read it. Okay, so I, I got into a hole of tweets. I don't know if any of this is true. I was just curious, but I'm, I'm curious if you guys yeah. have any thoughts on this. But this one Havana, guy, Ulala. Pat. Yeah, I'm gonna sing that song. <laughs> Patrick Brock tweeted uh cuba has a lung cancer vaccine we in the u.s had no access to because we sanctioned cuba and then cuba eliminated hiv transmission from mother to child and then cuba has a literacy rate of nearly 98 percent now that they've also like subsidized their food rations to make sure no one goes hungry and i don't know how much i like don't know how much of that is true but i'm curious like is that like well, Does that a, sound right i don't know the, is that what cuba is we just don't know yeah people are literate there uh, okay, because, yeah, I mean, I, mean yes. I think even on the other side of the spectrum, like the U.S. has a policy of like trying to systematically make people less educated here. Uh-huh. And as a result, you see what happens when people are less aware uh, of things and they can't read as much to learn more things. A thing that's also missing from a lot of the discussion about Cuba are like the crippling sanctions that right. were put on the country. That's always missing. Like you talk about Iran, you talk about Venezuela, you talk about other places that the sanctions part is always missing. Like, can you believe what's going on over there? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like, we're doing something to, like, actively trying to destabilize, right. like, those regions. Um, and I think the other thing is, too, the U.S., ha- like, loves to meddle in places where the people of a country are striving to ask for a fair fight. 
So like even when you go as far back as like Iran and like the oil that was there and the interests of the fossil fuel companies that were like, we're going to pump your oil, right. but we'll take 80% of the profits and you get 20. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. This is our right. oil. Yeah. Like we yeah. need a bigger cut. We're gonna... Then they start going, uh, hi, uh, Kermit Roosevelt. Yes. Can you come here and sort this guy out and maybe put in somebody who will actually like split this money that's going to favor these companies? Yeah. Like that's sort of the the background to a lot of these things. And I think, um, you know, whatever your opinions are on a lot of these governments or however they're operating, I think before anyone wants to act like an expert on another country, please take an objective view of what our country does first. Right. I think you need to operate from there. Don't get look. You please learn about as much as you can. But really, if you want to engage sincerely, please look at what the United States foreign policy history is, what its policy has been uh, against working people and things like that. And then you can begin to sort of like look at that, look at the context of the U.S. and their place in like a larger historical context Yeah, uh, to begin sort of having a good faith argument about anything. It's so fascinating. I I truly... I, I feel bad that I had no real sense of Cuba. And it, yeah. last night in my um, deep hole, I was like, where are we? I mean, the lung cancer thing is like there's a story about this guy who had stage four lung cancer uh -huh. and had to break the law because he couldn't get this uh, lung cancer vaccine anywhere except Cuba. But it was uh -huh. illegal for him to go to Cuba. Right. But it was in this uh, leftist uh, zine okay. called USA Today. Uh, so I don't know if we can trust that. I did find uh, a WHO World Health Organization article about the stopping the transfer of syphilis and HIV from mm -hmm. mother to child. But that's about as far as I got for that. I mean, I was just curious because I read that tweet and I was like, I don't know what is what anymore. So I need more. I need more. Info. Well, very narrowly, if you just go from like how the sort of official U.S. view on it is, it's just sort of like Cuba bad yeah. right. across the board. Like and. I think you can never speak in absolutes about right. anything. Like it's yeah. it's it's just dangerous. There are dangerous. things that they have that we definitely would not want, and there are things right. that they have that uh, we would want. And I think the things that they have that we would want are generally completely removed from the narrative. Right. Or even if like you know people say like oh you know Soviet Union bad or whatever, but like completely miss the part where like they like women were encouraged to be involved in the like sciences right. very early and like right. there was no gender divide it's like not like everybody everybody's pitching in everybody should learn something but yeah. again i think it's whenever we begin to speak in absolutes in general it's it's not it, it becomes harmful yes uh all right we we got to take a quick break before we get to the real issue that is facing us uh, which is the lingering effects of the Super Bowl halftime show. Yep. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, and conservatives are still pissed about the Super Bowl They're halftime still show. still fucking pissed. Not happy. Uh, um, wow. The FCC has received... Uh, 1,312 complaints from viewers who had something to say about the halftime show. You know, that might just seem like a silly thing to pay attention to. It's like, well, a single comment section with 1,312 comments is not like something that's going to change the news. Especially when like 100 million people watch. <laughs> yeah, but that is generally how like programming decisions had been made in the past. Like letters to the FCC would cause the FCC to you know, bear down on one of the networks. So, I mean, granted, it doesn't seem like an efficient way to make decisions. It is how decisions have been made in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know how that compares to the Janet Jackson uh, Nipplegate scenario that uh, caused, you know, a huge crackdown. But it does seem like significant enough to make waves at the FCC, which is significant enough to make waves across the pop culture landscape. Yeah, I don't I mean just some of these complaints are they're coming from planets I've not discovered yet. They're mm -hmm. so out there. Um and one woman said uh from Utah, I had to send my children out of the room so they weren't exposed to something they should not have seen. Okay, that's that I understand that. One. Yeah. How about this one? It was TV 14. So it was if your children were under 14, yeah, just keep an <laughs> yeah, eye out. That makes sense. Uh and, and a listener or a viewer in Washington complained However, I was not prepared to explain to my 11-year-old daughter why Jennifer Lopez was dressed so scantily or why she kept grabbing her crotch. My daughter was asking if she was feeling sick 
from having so much skin showing. That is absurd because that is what every pop... Those outfits are the most common outfits between all, all pop stars wear those sort of like Leo... But like the women of color. Oh, you're right. Sorry. No, you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Mm. Shakira was doing sexy tongue stuff. Oh, yeah. Reducing that to like, no, even, no, no. Even Taylor Swift dresses like that at her shows. Like, <laughs> that's the pop star aesthetic is beautiful, like shimmery, like a little, some fringe. Daddy, does she have a canker sore? Why is she doing that with her tongue? That's, what, oh, no. that's how all pop stars dress. Again, this is just, but this is from the very, this is probably from the most shocked conservative people. Obviously, if you're oh. still in in your letter writing phase of this outrage campaign, yeah. then And yeah, also, this if your daughter happen. is saying that to you, she's probably being dishonest. Or is, <laughs> yeah, or like you do that just to game your parent like right am i feeling sick because it's so sexy? yeah 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 no i know that i was i definitely acted like i was more naive and like a better person than i was to my parents there was another was one what are you teaching young girls a wisconsin viewer said dance around half naked to make men excited then claim hashtag me too for harassment yep it's okay to be some sexual being and shake your naked rear end and expose your crotch and dance on a pole in front of the world yeah right yeah, that halftime show invalidated the Me Too movement. Yeah, again, but even then, not again. The, but it shows you how people are looking at even what this sort of po- this societal moment is. It's not just like Me Too is a thing where we're finally being honest that women are making guys go wacky and assault them, and so we need them to chill out, and we need women to be less tempting. Yeah, and then we can reach homeostasis. Yeah, you can't expect men to not sexually assault people when. That happen when you when you have halftime shows. There like was that. another one. No wonder there is sex trafficking when you call this family entertainment. Yep. And where's the Me Too women? Do you not see the hypocrisy hmm. of what a, of a group of women exercising agency over their bodies? Mm-hmm. Not again. Yeah. <sighs> so, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's got to be exhausting. Uh, but as most people said, what a, that was a pretty good halftime show. Yeah, that was fun. I like that. Yeah, that was great. It's really wonderful to see like one of the first times I watched color. all the way through. Yeah, like, it, was, it was like right. really, really nice to watch them really like get it. Yeah, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it. People and I tried to dance just like them in front of my TV and threw my back out. <laughs> and I kicked my TV. <laughs> That's over, my FCC my TV complaint. Over. I'm like, I threw my back out trying to be them. I thought I could use this. What does rack. the Me Too movement have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We always have you here, but it's been a pleasure uh, having you on mic. He finally let me talk. <laughs> Just joking. I go out of my way not to speak. <laughs> I'm um, such a lazy person. Where can people find you, follow you, hear you, all that stuff? Follow me around town. Mm-hmm. Uh, just joking. Um, I'm at Anna Hosnie, A-N-N-A-H-O-S-S-N-I-E-H on Twitter. I have two podcasts I host, Ethnically Ambiguous. I host that with Shireen Yunez. And then I also host Deckheads with Nick Turner um, about the Below Deck reality show on Bravo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't know what I was about to say. So check those out if you like pure joy and absolute nonsense. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yes. So there's a really funny video out right now that I retweeted. Well, there's two. The internet, man. (laughs) From Matt Lieb, at Matt Lieb, he tweeted, Biden's motto is definitely vote for someone else, which I thought was funny. (laughs) And then there was another um, video that at Rachel underscore Conrad posted that said, for the love of God, unmute this. And it's it's an otter like trying to eat a a cell phone, but they put it to the tune of um, the uh, George Michael's... uh, Crap, what is the song? It's like, do, 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 do. oh, right. The uh, careless, uh, whisper. careless, careless whisper. whisper. Sorry, yeah. I couldn't remember. I apologize. I only know the MIDI tune from my yeah. old uh, ring back. But okay. <laughs> and then another one is this uh, at Kimmy Monte tweeted This dog literally failed every single test thrown at him to become a service dog. And I'm screaming, laughing. <laughs> In my opinion, he's still a very good boy. And watch the video. This dog is just. I don't know why they keep trying. He just has no interest. He's just at every <laughs> He's part, just like, yeah, whatever. He's just, it's not even that. Like everything, he does it. He does everything, but he just does it in a way that just, it's it so half assed. Like they like have him pull, like, you know, 
pull open the fridge, like the little knobs to help pull open the fridge. And he pulls the whole fridge over. Like it's like every little thing he does, he like kind of fucks it up. Just a just, total fuck. Yeah, up. it just goes a little too far. It just doesn't get it. And it's so funny. And I, I really love, I you love to see a fun dog living his best life. And yeah. just being like, I guess I'm not meant to be a service animal. But also just doing it with such like, Pure joy. Yeah. I mean, not like a dog is like being like, oh, you're fucking this up right now. But it's right. just sort of like, huh? Okay. I'm dog. So go check those out. I uh, I tweeted them both on my feed if you want to go find them. Mm. Uh, Miles, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray, and also um, on my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, with um, the homie, Sophie Alexandra, where we talk about 90 Day Fiance. Hi. Some tweets I like. Reductress, uh, typical. This one is just a woman with like her hand like over her mouth in disbelief, and like out on the street. It says, "Edible not working. Snails are battle slugs." Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and another one that says, "How to sexily lounge in his T-shirt that says Friend of the Pod." <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, some tweets I've been enjoying. Kayla Kamari tweeted, in fourth grade for a science project, I rewrote the lyrics to Oops, I Did It Again to be about the types of rocks. And at the beginning where it's like, yeah, 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 I was like, rah, 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 rocks. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Steve Ag, couple couple parent tweets for you. Okay. Steve Ag tweeted, dear people in your teens, 20s, stop befriending people or else you're going to end up spending every weekend of your adult life at birthday parties. That is way too good. And then Best Cal tweeted, not sure if this is what Twitter is for, but does anyone want to come over and watch my baby so my husband and I can take a quick nap? No Nazis, please. Uh, I would love to do that. What? Not watch her babies. Just uh, randomly just randomly be like, hey. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien, and I will ask you to watch my kids. You can find us <laughs> on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we uh, write out on. Well, before you do that, I, I'd like to actually pose another myth. Dog nannies. Why'd those goddamn cartoons believe that make you believe dogs could take care of your kids? Oh, oh like yeah. when they would dress like a, like a well, St. Bernard. Like, yeah, and they, yeah, they'd be like, that's the nanny. Yeah. Are you we- kidding me? I mean, the continuation of those cartoons is CPS taking their children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess we don't see. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, they suppressed those cartoons. I yeah. say you should get a dog nanny. Yeah, we don't talk about our five-year-old who we tried that out on. <laughs> yeah. uh, All right, go didn't ahead. go so well. <laughs> uh, the song going out on is "Black Qualls" uh, by Thundercat, uh, featuring Steve Lacey. Uh, two of you know, Thundercat is amazing on bass. Steve Lacey is just amazing on guitar as a producer. The two of them together, it's it's magic, baby. So let's get free that big toe and let us get it tapping, y'all. Stretch it out. Mm-hmm. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. Uh, we will be back this afternoon with another podcast, uh, and we will talk to you then. Bye. Thanks. I know I got the